This morning we'll continue developing our metta practice with the categories of self and benefactor. There's this wonderful instruction in metta, this guidance that we go to where it's easy in this practice. And in some ways it's counterintuitive. We can think, well, you know, where it's easy is where I can easily feel metta. I don't need help with that. I want to go to my difficult person or all beings or take on some big challenge of forgiveness or opening. Yet there's a real wisdom in this training of creating a foundation with the metta practice where it's relatively easy, meant to be easy for us to steady and open our hearts in this area of kindness and connection. Because once we establish that, there's kind of a foundation that we can trust. So when we do open up, when we do find ourselves in more challenging uh, areas of our practice, we can always come back to that and trust that, have faith in that. It's part of the, the deepening of this practice is just this ability to find our way back to metta, whatever the circumstances, whatever's going on for us. So this guideline, this training of starting where it's easy is so helpful with that. And as we add to the categories, you'll definitely find yourself using that. If something's really not working, it's totally okay. In fact, it's beneficial to go back to someone else, to choose something simpler, so you can find that sense of steadiness and openness again. And when you feel ready to move on, it's a a great guideline for this practice and I think for our lives. So really encourage you to trust in that. And so the practice is to start with self and benefactor. Traditionally considered two of the easiest places to send metta to. Now the benefactor we might kind of understand. It's someone who's helped us, who we have a lot of affection or appreciation for. Um, They really show us the possibility of love, of acceptance, of wisdom, whatever it is we appreciate about them, whether they're human or non-human, they really exemplify something for us. Even in that, and some people spoke about that in the interviews yesterday, you know, you, as you sit with someone and at first it's all rosy and you're in like the honeymoon phase of, oh, isn't this person wonderful? I love them so much. And then it's like, yes, but there was that time they didn't call when they said they would or they were late for that appointment or they didn't remember my birthday or whatever it was. And so you, the willingness to go through that, to sit with whatever it is that comes up, not to deny or diminish it, but just keep coming back to the metta, to what what you appreciate about them. So the recognition of whatever the difficulty is, but this turning of the mind and heart to what's beautiful, to what's good, to what you love about the person. And that's a huge part of this training, the willingness to do that. So the fact that this more difficult uh, experience comes up, again, doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong or this person's not the right person. It's all part of this process of purification. And what we really uh, come to see in our metta practice is we can't force the feeling. We can't make it happen. No matter how wonderful the person is we're feeling metta for, if the body is aching or we're resistant or irritable or other emotions come up, that's the truth for us. And so we do the practice in this, the beautiful way that's often described as planting seeds. 
where some of the seeds fall on fallow ground, some on barren ground, some on stony ground, some don't get watered. We don't know when the seeds, which seeds will uh, take, take root and, and uh, grow into beautiful fruit. But we still keep on planting. So each phrase, each intention is just done in that way of expressing that <clears throat> intention. We can always cultivate the intention towards kindness. We can't force the feeling of kindness or love. But the intention, even the slightest degree of letting go of of whatever unskillful states of mind and turning towards skillful, we can do that. Even the littlest bit is powerful in this practice. With the benefactor, again, some guidelines. We've uh, recommended choosing one, especially for this retreat, to just choose one person and a number of reasons why that's helpful. One is to go through that whole process that I just described where in the beginning it's easy to connect with what we like about them and then after time some of the challenges in the relationship might become apparent or you just feel it's a little dry. You're not connecting with them. You know, if it's someone you don't know very well or haven't seen for a long time, the willingness to keep the intention towards metta, keep cultivating the metta, even when the conditions aren't ideal, is a big part of this training. So staying with this one person allows that to deepen. And it also supports the concentration. As we stay steady with one person, the phrases and the practice get simpler and simpler. The initial ripples of memories and emotions tend to balance out. Every time we bring a new person in, and you'll experience this for yourself, there'll be a wave of um, experience, sensations that come, memories and thoughts and emotions. And so that can feed the metic, but often it can be a little unstabilizing for a time until it settles down. So staying with the one person is helpful. Another guideline that's often given is to choose someone who's living. This is more important in, in longer retreat or doing intensive retreat to deep, really deepen concentration. But even here, it can be a helpful guideline because um, we want to have a sense of the meta landing somewhere and knowing the situation of the person and, and being able to imagine them safe and happy. When they've passed on, it's harder to do that. Sometimes people are really called to do someone who has died and you could talk with your teacher about that. Obviously, it can work. It just has some challenges to it. So again, you have to trust your intuition around that. And then Metta for Self. We'll probably talk more about this in one of the evening talks because it's such a challenging area for many of us. We have bought into a belief that we're not okay, that we're deficient in some way, that we're not lovable or loving enough or kind enough or generous enough or brave enough or tall enough or, you know, our hair isn't right or whatever it is that we judge ourselves around. And this practice is such a powerful antidote to that. But we have to be willing to keep turning towards that, turning towards the well-wishing, even as these thoughts of limitation, of resistance come up. So it's a powerful practice to address this tendency to be self-critical. One of the phrases that a teacher offered me a while ago that I found really helpful in Metta for Self is to just say one phrase, may I love and accept myself just as I am. 
May I love and accept myself just as I am. The first time I heard that, I was like, you got to be kidding, you know, just as I am? I don't think so. You know, maybe in 10 years when I've done more practice or the 10-point improvement program has been successful or whatever it is that I judge myself about, but just as I am, love and accept, didn't seem possible. But I started saying it. And at first it sounded as barren as, you know, the Sahara or whatever, just dry and artificial. But you keep saying it long enough something sinks in, some willingness to open to that possibility, some belief that this is actually true, that we do love and care for ourselves. We do want the best for ourselves. We wouldn't be here if that wasn't true. We wouldn't be practicing if it's on some deep level we didn't really hold that for ourselves as a possibility, as a a necessity. And so can work creatively with this practice of metta for self so that it really does strengthen this sense of caring for ourselves and to see all of the expressions of self-care that we do for ourselves throughout the day. And there are thousands of them as an expression of this kind of metta. Cleaning your teeth as an expression of self-love. Brushing your hair, getting dressed, showering stretching the body, eating, drinking, all of these are expressions of self-care. On a meta-retreat to really hold them in that way, each time you do one of those actions, each time you soothe yourself a little bit, whatever that looks like, that's the expression of metta. You can see that as really deepening this sense of loving and accepting yourself just as you are. So there's a real invitation to be creative in this practice. Wherever the heart feels contracted or limited, the metta can move there in this really gentle way. As I said, we can't force it, we can't make something happen, but this inclining of the mind over and over again towards kindness. You know, just as they say, the drop of water wearing away the rock. Sometimes our heart can feel as hard as a rock, and the metta phrases are these drops of soothing water that just gradually open and soften that hardness. So it can take time. We don't look for quick results, but it's a powerful practice that will just move in that direction. So as we formally begin the practice, making yourself as comfortable as possible, if you need to adjust your posture, just really caring for the body in the way we sit, through the sitting if you need to move, just giving yourself permission to do that, again, as an act of self-metta, self-care. Inviting the sense of relaxation that I spoke about last night. However you know you can do that for yourself, whether it's just through the words and a kind of sense of relaxing, using the breath to open and enliven the body on the in-breath and then the out-breath softening, consciously moving your attention through parts of the body that you know you typically hold tightness or contraction in the face or the throat, the shoulders, 
chest and belly. Back, the pelvic region. Down through the legs. Letting your arms just rest however you have them placed. Again, it can sometimes be in the extremities that we have unnecessary tension. In the calf or the shoulder. Just let everything relax. Everything soften. Everything come into stillness. So we begin the practice out of this act of kindness, of relaxing and releasing. And we feel connected because we've paid attention. We've brought the attention inwards to this felt experience of the body as it sits here. So out of this sense of kindness and acceptance, of relaxation, beginning the practice of metta towards yourself. However it works for you, a visual image of yourself, a felt sense of yourself. Some people like to have an image of themselves in a place that you know you're happy, out in nature, riding your bike, painting with your children or friends whatever it is. For some people, it's an image of themselves as a small child. Perhaps at a time when you felt that joy of life, a lot of sense of freedom and openness, can also be powerful to practice using the image of yourself at a time when you were young and you really needed love or metta and it wasn't available and really sending that wish, that healing power of metta to yourself as a small child, holding that child, sending metta to that child, love and care, using the phrases as you've developed them, perhaps this simple phrase, may I love and accept myself just as I am, over and over again. And staying with whatever happens, feelings of openness and kindness, resistance, fear, judging. If the difficult emotions do arise, a number of options. The main practice is just to see if you can keep the metta going, just continuing to say the phrases. But if it really becomes too challenging, you can't stay at all connected to a sense of goodness or kindness or the phrases, can then just open to do a mindfulness practice. Just be aware of what's happening. Name it if that's helpful. Know it in its details, how it's presenting itself. Until you find some more balance 
that whatever it was has dissipated a little, softened a little, and you can come back to the metta. And as much as possible, this steadiness of intention and the phrases, may I be safe and protected from harm. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live with ease. Using your breath if you find that helpful. To moderate the phrases so they don't come too quickly. There's a sense of spaciousness. And checking in periodically Is the body relaxed and open? Is there any need for more softening, more allowing to let this practice flow and deepen?
If you wish, you can continue with metta for self for the rest of the period. It's such a beneficial and healing practice that I really don't think we can do it too much just for ourselves. But you could also choose now to extend the metta to your benefactor, taking a moment to really connect with them, visual image, a felt sense, sound of their voice, saying their name, imagining their face if you can, smiling at you, their eyes twinkling a little bit, reflecting on their goodness, what it is you appreciate about them. Often in the benefactor, there are qualities that we would like to cultivate in ourselves. We recognize in ourselves, we see reflected there. And so this practice actually enlivens those qualities in us. As we connect with and deepen this relationship to the benefactor. So beginning to send the wishes of metta to this person, this being. Wishing them to be safe and happy, healthy and at ease. Imagining them in scenarios where that is true for them. Your wishes are true. And at the same time, just being with whatever is however the situation is, whatever your direct experience is. So there's a gentleness and acceptance to the practice. If you find it gets dry or you get confused or lost in thought, come back and begin again, just in this same way, making the connection, visual or felt sense, saying their name, and being willing to begin again And again and again and again. It's what we do over and over.
the remainder of the day of practice, you can weave your metta through these two categories of self and benefactor. As I said, I don't think it's possible to do too much metta for self. But if you're doing that, I think it's really helpful to do some also for the benefactor. It just kind of shifts the energy, gives us a bigger perspective on things. And if you're finding it difficult for self, even though I gave that guideline of go to where it's easy, don't ignore yourself. You know, please spend some time every sitting, whether it's even just a few minutes, but the longer the better, to cultivate this sense of kindness towards yourself. Really a helpful part of the practice. So you can do that in the sitting, in the walking, the formal practice periods, whenever you, you can um, motivated to practice in that formal way of, of cultivating uh, metta for self and benefactor. But in the in-between times, what I do is just keep it really simple. As I'm moving about, going from one activity to the other, or in the dining room, or showering, whatever, I just do metta for myself really simply, just keeping the phrases going. Don't try to put a lot of bells and whistles on. If, if you can, and that works, great. But I like to have what I call my baseline or foundation metta that's just really simple. Just this inclination towards the, the phrases and some kindness and keeping that going, and that really helps with the continuity. Any questions this morning about this practice, your experience? I guess we've said enough. That's great. Answered all the questions. And we're very happy to sit here in silence, so don't feel you have to think of a question just to fill the, the space. But yes, please. Yes. So her comment was, when she sends metta to her benefactors, she, uh, she has the impression it should help them, and then she can get confused because if she gives it to one, she's got to give it to the other, so it's fair kind of thing. So I'd first start, I noticed you said plural, benefactors. How many do you have? <laughs> well, it, it, I would say four. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, you heard the guideline that I gave in the instructions? <laughs> did you hear the guideline that I gave in the instructions? Yes. 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 Very good. Yes, right on. So her, her, having this grand vision that she can help them and realizing it's about helping her, and that's exactly it. And that's why it's okay just to choose one person. If, if we have the sense that we're actually doing something really clear and active, 
it's like, well, I can't give, you know, a Christmas present to them if I don't give one to, to those people as well. But this really is about deepening your own capacity for metta. Uh, Kamala said, I think, yesterday, but so important. What this, this is not about the result. This is not about um, changing someone. You know, often at the end of these retreats, people go home and call their best friend and say, did you feel it? You know, I spent a week sending you metta. And they're disappointed when the person's like, what are you talking about? You know, it's not about that. We can't know. You know, it's possible And we have to think that, you know, we do this practice and we don't know what the results might be, but we can't do it in order to get that. That is really um, uh, distorting the intention of this practice. It really is about purifying our own hearts and minds. And out of that, the change happens. Your relationship to these people or this person will change. So they will seem different when you, because of this practice that you've done, but you can't tell it's because I did that, you're different. It's because you're, you're different. That's what it's about. And this is a really, really important point, actually, because it just frees us of a big sense of obligation and guilt, you know, when we choose the friends, like, oh, I, who can I choose? You know, I feel like I'm giving someone something and rejecting all the others. But if you really see it in this way that's true, that it's about our own hearts and minds, there's no sense, there's no need to even get into that debate. Because as you um, deepen your own capacity for kindness, each relationship as you meet that person will inevitably change. Not in huge ways. I'm not saying we're going to go home and be Gandhi or the Dalai Lama and everyone's going to love us. But there'll be those shifts that you'll notice, you know, subtle, large, whatever. So yes, this is a great, a great realization. Thank you. Yes. 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 So a comment was that James pointing out that in this people, you often feel there are people vying for that slot. You know, it's like auditions, you know. What is it? America's Got Talent or something. They're all trying to get in on the final cut. And not to, not to you know, be, you know, playing favorites. You can say to this, these person, people, we'll get to you in the week. There'll be time. There'll be space. But mo- the other thing I like to say is, Whoever you choose is a representative of that category. You're not singling them out and saying, oh, this is my favorite friend. You know, the other's second. This is my favorite. It's like this is a representative of this category of friend or category of benefactor. And they're just who you're choosing for this time. So it's not a sense of favorite. It really is them as a representative. And that's also, that also can be helpful. Oh, yeah. So, with my benefactor, um, it was working really well. And then today, in the last few moments, when I was sending Meta and feeling it, I actually heard the voice coming back. That was my benefactor's voice, somewhat defensively. I don't need that. Hmm. There was a conversation which just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Good. 
So her comment was, in the uh, been going well with the benefactor, and but in the last literally couple of minutes, a voice, the voice of the benefactor came back saying, why are you doing that? I don't need that. And so, again, the investigation could be, is it really the voice of the benefactor? This is our sense of inadequacy. Who am I to be wishing this person well? You know, usually if they're your benefactor, they're in some state of whatever, contentment, ease, you know, got their life together. Uh, many people choose the Dalai Lama as a benefactor, and you're like, who am I? You know, I'm wishing the Dalai Lama to be happy. It's like, wh- what's the point of that? But in the same uh, way of, that I responded to the other question, it's not about you changing them and making them better. It's about your capacity to keep wishing well, even if someone is well, even if someone is just dandy that you can still say that that's my wish for you. So when the conditions aren't ideal, you can still continue wishing it. And it's just interesting, this is what metta will do. You know, as you say, you heard the voice of the benefactor, but of course it's your voice saying, you know, who are you to do that? Um, and to, to, to meet that, to say that, you know, it's not about needing or deserving or whatever, but my, uh, capa- my own capacity to wish well. It's interesting how it plays out. Thank you. Okay, we we need to um, end because we've got groups. Uh, our last round of groups today. Um, if you were, if your name wasn't on a list either today, today or yesterday, 